0: we get our Bibles out. Uh, And I'd love you to turn to Colossians, uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1. So New Testament uh, after Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And um, I'm going to read a bit of Colossians chapter 1 and a bit of uh, Colossians uh, chapter 2. So if you've uh, got sight of a Bible or on your phone or whatever, uh, let me read. Uh, And I think it's going to come up on the screen uh, as well. Uh, So I'm going to read Colossians 1, verses 1 to 14, and then a little bit in chapter 2 as well. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then let's move on to chapter 2 and verse 6. Paul continues, he says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ. He is the head over every power and authority. Shall we pray? <coughs> Lord Jesus, you are the head over every power and authority. And Lord Jesus, this evening I thank you that you are the head over New Horizons. Thank you for all the ways that you have been at work by your Spirit so far this week. And I pray, Lord, come by your Spirit. And Lord, use my words for your glory. And we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I'd love to uh, start by a definition of a Christian. And I'd love you to look at chapter 2 and verse 6. This is Paul writing, he's giving a definition of a Christian. He says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. A Christian is someone, very simply, who receives Jesus. But the question is, who is this Jesus that we can receive? Who is he? Well, take uh, verse 13 of chapter 1. Verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, first of all, Jesus is rescuer. Receiving Jesus means he rescues us from darkness, and we are brought into the kingdom of Jesus through the forgiveness of our sins. He is our redeemer. He is our rescuer. Oh, a while ago, some tourists uh, were in Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, and they were looking at a painting in the cathedral of Jesus, a painting of Jesus dying on the cross. And as they were looking at this painting, a, uh, the bishop walked past, uh, and he stopped them and he said, you know, there's a story about that painting. And he told them this story of a hard, rebellious gang of teenagers. And these teenagers, they led in new members to their gang on the condition that the new person fulfilled a dare set by the gang. And the bishop told them that for one person who wanted to join the gang, the dare that was set was this. That this teenager, this young boy, was to come into the cathedral. He was to stand in front of this painting of Jesus on the cross. And he was to shout out loud three times as loud as he could, Jesus Christ, you died for me and I don't give a damn. And so this boy, he came in. He stood in front of this painting in the cathedral. And he shouted out, he shouted out, Jesus Christ, you died for me. And he couldn't say anything more. And he broke down in tears. And in that moment, he realized what Jesus had done for him to make it possible for him to be rescued. And it melted his heart. And he received Jesus into his life. And the tourists asked the bishop, how did you hear that story? And he said, I didn't hear it. That boy was me. Now, the details will be different for each one of us here in this tent this evening. But for each one of us here who is a Christian, there will have been a moment for you when the lights were switched on, when the wonder of Jesus' love for you in Jesus dying on a cross for you to be your rescuer, when that became a reality to you. For me, it was at age 17. In my last year at school, if you'd asked me as a teenager and if you'd said to me sort of one of those word association games and you said, here's the word God, here's the word Jesus, the first word that I would have said to you would be the word killjoy. I thought that God was a killjoy, that God was out to spoil my fun. And I you know, was fairly successful at having fun as a teenager. And so all through my teenage years, I wanted to keep God at arm's length. But then in my last year at school, uh, one of my best mates, he became a Christian, and he asked me to go on this Christian conference for people in their sixth form at school. It was a conference actually uh, run by Scripture Union. I know who are doing a lot of the children's work here. Now, I didn't want to go. I thought it sounded the most boring thing ever to go to, uh, but I couldn't think of an excuse as to why not to go. And so very reluctantly, not knowing what to expect, I went with this friend of mine on this three-day conference. And quite simply, it transformed my life. Because over those three days, I heard talks and I had discussion times about topics like, who is Jesus, why did he die, the proof of the resurrection. And I realized that the evidence was overwhelming, that Jesus was indeed the one who died and rose again to be my rescuer. So, a Christian. Who are they? Someone who receives Jesus as rescuer. But that's not all, is it? Have a look at chapter 1 and verse 16. Chapter 1, verse 16 of Colossians. For in him, that's Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. You see, Jesus is ruler. Jesus is ruler. Jesus is Lord. He is ruling over all creation. Receiving Jesus means receiving Jesus as our ruler, the one ruling over our lives. The wonderful John Stott, who died um, about six years ago now, I had the privilege of calling him a friend and a colleague at All Souls. And he famously used to say this. He used to say, Jesus is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Or take possibly my most favourite quote ever by Abraham Kuyper. He was uh, the Prime Minister of Holland around 1900. He was a Christian. He also uh, founded a theological college. And he said this, he said, There is not one square inch of this entire world over which Jesus Christ does not declare this is mine. So your work life, your love life, Your finances, your fears, your strengths, your weaknesses, your faith, your doubt, your present, your future, whatever it may be, not one square inch over this entire world, which Jesus Christ does not declare, this is mine. You see, to be a Christian is to receive Jesus as Lord, as ruler over every square inch of our lives. But that's still not all. Not just rescuer, not just ruler. Take Colossians 1 verse 27. Paul talks there about the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Jesus is resident. When you receive Jesus Christ... He comes to live in you. He comes to be resident in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if you are sitting here this evening as a follower of Jesus, you have received Jesus as rescuer. God for you. You have received Jesus as ruler. God over you. And you have received Jesus as... As resident, God in you. And so hopefully you can see why Colossians 1 verse 27 is, if you like, going to be our theme verse for tonight and the next couple of nights. Because in this week, when we're focusing on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, this verse, it reminds us that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ and he is resident in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And so tonight, um, as we try and cover Colossians chapters 1 and 2, we're going to think m- more on how having Christ in us by His Spirit, how having Christ in us, the Holy Spirit, how that changes us, how that transforms us. Then tomorrow night, as we look at chapters 3 and 4 of Colossians, we're going to think about how Christ in you transforms others, how, how Christ in you transforms the world, how the Spirit works through us, through you and me, to bring transformation to others. And then on the final night, on Friday night, we're going to have a think about that second half of Paul's little statement. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. How is the Holy Spirit... How is he the hope of glory for you and for me? So the definition of a Christian is someone who receives Jesus as rescuer, as ruler, as resident. But it's not just someone who receives Jesus at one point in time, but it is also the definition of a Christian is someone who continues with Jesus Just have a look back, would you, at chapter 2 and verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 6. This is what Paul writes. He says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And here's the truth. My hunch is that there will be a few people here tonight who have not yet received Jesus. And for you, tonight is a night when you say, actually, yeah, Jesus, I want to receive you. I want to, as it were, open the door to you and to receive you as my ruler, as my rescuer, as my resident. And that would be the most amazing thing for you to do tonight. I'm going to pray a prayer at the end of the talk that might give you, a, if you like, a framework, a means of you receiving Jesus. But you know, for, for most of us, for the bulk of us here, who, who've already received Jesus at one point in the past, all of us, we will, if we're honest, we will have those moments at some point or other where we ask am I really going to continue as a Christian? Am I going to continue living for Jesus? Just in the last uh, couple of months, I've been uh, meeting up with someone uh, who I thought, I-, I knew them vaguely, and I thought they were this sort of mega mature, you know, faith-filled, spirit-empowered Christian. You know, this guy, his-, his Christian CV was so impressive. But when we met up a few months ago, we met up to chat and he broke down in tears as he described to me, if you like, the public persona that he presented to others compared to what he was actually thinking in private. And actually he was saying he was thinking, should he no longer continue as a follower of Jesus? Should he just give up on Jesus altogether? Now, if we are honest, every single one of us here who has received Jesus, who is a Christian, we will all have those moments to a greater or lesser extent at some point. Whether it's a sort of completely thinking, am I just going to stop following Jesus altogether? Or, Or whether it's just sort of more quietly, more slowly, just pushing Jesus to the margins of our life. We'll all have those moments. And it would have been just the same for those Christians that Paul was writing to in Colossae. I don't know if you noticed, as I read at the beginning of chapter 1, in verse 7, we read that the Colossians, they became Christians through this guy called Epaphras. Epaphras uh, taught the gospel to them. But if you go to the end of Colossians, actually you read something really fascinating. In Colossians 4 verse 12, you read Epaphras' prayer for the Colossian Christians. And it's fascinating what he prays. It's going to come up on the screen. Look at what Paul writes is Epaphras' prayer for these Colossian Christians. He says this. Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you. Epaphras was from Colossae. He was from Colossae and he taught the gospel to the Colossians. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature, and fully assured, and I take it that that is Epaphras' heart for these Christians who he was responsible for them coming to Christ, humanly speaking. He, that his prayer is that they are mature and that they are fully assured. And I take it he prays those two things, that they might be mature, that they might be fully assured. Because he knows that a lack of assurance... And a lack of growing in maturity are the biggest dangers to you or I continuing as a Christian. And so tonight, I'd love us just to look at those two things in turn and see that the Holy Spirit, that Christ in you, Christ resident in you, he transforms us in those two areas, in the area of assurance and in the area of maturity as a Christian. So let's first think about the area of us feeling fully assured as a Christian. How do we feel fully assured as a Christian? This is the danger of what I've called second-rate Christian syndrome. You know, the belief that there are some other Christians over there who are sort of Premier League superstar Christians, but we're just, if we're honest, just chugging along rather second rate like the football club I support Portsmouth who are clearly very second rate. A few years ago um, I went to one of the smartest uh, dinners that I think I have ever been to. It was the annual dinner of some exclusive club called the Saints and Sinners Club and this it was a black tie affair and the dinner happened in the Savoy Hotel in London Uh, And uh, Terry Wogan was there. Uh, There were other famous comedians that were there. There were famous uh, England cricketers from my youth, like Alan Lamb and uh, Ian Botham and John Embury. Uh, Tim Rice, uh, as in connected to Andrew Lloyd Webber, was there. I was reading the Twitter feed, actually, of uh, New Horizon this week, and uh, some people said that Andrew Lloyd Webber's been speaking here the last few nights. I know that's true. (laughs) Um, The the British ambassador to the US was here. Uh, And then there was little old me at this dinner. Now, that was the people. The food was even better. You know, normally if you go to a smart dinner, you might get your your menu on some sort of of stiff bit of card. Uh, For this meal, there was a whole sort of card booklet. There was just a booklet on this menu. It was incredible. The food was amazing. Uh, And you might be asking, and I don't blame you if you are, how on earth did an oik like Jago get to go to a dinner like that? That's a very good question. How did I get to go to a dinner? Well, uh, the answer is I knew someone, James who was on the committee for the Saints and Sinners Club. And he invited me to the dinner. He paid for me to go. But I've got to say, as I went to this dinner, it seemed so amazing. Uh, The people all around me, they were so impressive and so talented, and I began to feel rather substandard, rather second rate. You know, I looked across at the famous sportsmen that were in this place, and I remembered that the pinnacle of my sporting career was reaching the finals of the under-11 tennis competition at school, where I lost 6-love, six 6-1. Six uh, I looked across at the famous musicians, and I thought back to when I was thrown out of the junior choir, age nine at school. And I remember to this day, I'm scarred for life by this, the music teacher said to me, he said, um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the junior choir, because your voice doesn't quite fit in with everybody else's. <laughs> uh, I looked across at the, at the famous comedians, And I realized that the pinnacle of my career in comedy is reading out jokes from Christmas crackers on Christmas Day. And so against those feelings of feeling second rate, I had to remind myself of the truth. Yeah, and you know, I may not have the giftings of of, uh, Ian Botham or Tim Rice or, or of Terry Wogan, what he had. But I am just as fully part of this dinner. James has paid for me to be here. James has organised this dinner. James is with me at this dinner. There is nothing that is substandard or lacking about me. And you know, it is just the same for us as Christians. We can feel substandard. We can feel lacking. We can feel second-rate. And it can cause us to give up living full-on for Jesus if we just think, well, we're no use, we're second-rate. But as we saw earlier, Jesus Christ, he has paid for us to be a Christian. Jesus Christ, he is ruling over us as a Christian. Jesus is with us as Christians. He is rescuer, ruler, and resident. And do you know why Paul refers to Jesus as ruler in this letter? when we might expect him to refer to the Father as ruler. That's what we might expect. And do you know why he he refers uh, to Jesus as resident, when we might expect him to refer to the Spirit as resident? It is because he wants to remind us that if we have received Jesus Christ, then we have received the Father and the Holy Spirit as well. If you or I, if we are in Christ, then we have everything we need as Christians. Christ has forgiven us our sins and filled us with his spirit. We are totally full. There is nothing that is lacking or substandard about us. We don't need to be topped up with gifts or skills or knowledge or experiences to be a full-on, complete Christian. In Christ, we are full whether we've been a Christian for 30 seconds or 30 years. We are full. Not second rate. Just look at chapter 2, verse 9. It says, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And then verse 10, this is key. You have been given fullness in Christ. You've been given fullness. Now let's apply this to us in the same way that Paul applied it to the Christians in Colossae. You see, first, there were some in Colossae saying that to be a Premier League Christian, you had to be super spiritual. So in verse 16 of chapter 2, Paul says this. He says, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. But in Colossae, people were being judged if they weren't acting in a supposedly spiritual way. Only be involved in spiritual things, these, these religious festivals, not the everyday things of life. That's what they were being told. But no, as Christians, you and I, we are to be involved in the everyday things. I love it as I, I look out amongst you and I see Christians who are involved in all sorts of different occupations. I look out and I see so many students. If anybody is Premier League Christians, it is all of you. You know, I am just on the back line as a church pastor. I'm just on the back line. I'm supporting people like you who are on the front line. Whatever job you do in Christ, with Christ in you by his spirit, you are a full-on Premier League Christian. Then again, others in Colossi were saying you needed to be super experiential as a Christian. So this is chapter 2, verse 18. They said, Do not let anyone, Paul says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. You see, in Colossae, there were people who were going into great detail about special spiritual experiences that they'd had. Now, please don't get me wrong. It is wonderful when someone has an amazing spiritual experience. That is wonderful. But here's the key. Having such an experience doesn't make you any more special As a Christian, let me try and root that in a personal example. When I pray for people, I hardly ever get God giving me pictures for the person that I'm praying for. Occasionally I do, but but not that often. And I know other people, and it seems to me that every time they pray for anybody, God seems to give them a picture every single time. It's amazing. Now, does that mean that I am not a full on Christian? Am I lacking? Do I have less of the Holy Spirit living in me because I don't have that gift? No. No. What gifts we do or don't have does not alter our fullness as a Christian. So yes, please, let's pray for gifts. But let's not feel second rate if we don't receive a particular spiritual gift. They are gifts. They're not urns. And then third, others in Colossae, they were saying you had to be super legal. That you had to keep lots of legalistic rules in addition to what it says in Scripture. So in chapter 2, verse 21, Paul says, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. So you know, um, all Christians must not smoke. I wouldn't advise it, but I can't make it a rule. Uh, All Christians must read their Bible and pray every day. It's helpful, very helpful. I'd advise it, but it's certainly not a rule. You see, above all, Christ in you. It is not about everyone becoming like clones, identical. No, it is about everybody becoming like Jesus. And that means letting God, by his Holy Spirit, make each one of us more and more unique making each one of us more and more, as he intends each one of us to be, more unique, not more identical. And so if you are sitting here this evening, lacking assurance as a Christian, if you are feeling like a second-rate Christian, for whatever reason, I want to say, please, please hear Paul's words to you again. Chapter 2, verse 10, he says, You have been given fullness in Christ. You have been given fullness. In Christ, we are full. We are fully assured. We are fully a Christian. There is no such thing as a second-rate Christian. And a work of the Holy Spirit is to assure you of that. You are not on the scrap heap because of your job. Because of what job you might have. You're not on the scrap heap because of what gifts you might or might not have. You're not on the scrap heap because of what your background might be or might not be. So can I please encourage you? Please continue in Christ. Continue to live in Christ as you. Don't push Jesus to the margins of your life because you feel that you are on the margins. You are not. In Christ, we are full. Let's move on finally to the, to the second danger. Not second-rate Christian syndrome, but stuck-in-a-rut Christian syndrome. You remember Epaphras, he was praying those two things for the Colossian Christians, not just that they might be fully assured, but also that they would stand mature. And he'd stand mature. But here's the question. How does Christian maturity happen when you or I feel stuck in a rut as a Christian? And what is the Holy Spirit's role in helping us not be stuck in a rut? You see, in Christ, we are full. We've seen that. We are fully assured. We are fully a Christian. We are full. And yet, look at what Paul prays in chapter one, verse nine. This is chapter one, verse nine. He prays this. He says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And we continually ask God to fill you. Now, how does that work? He said we are full, and yet Paul prays there for God to fill us. Now, it's rather like a balloon. A balloon is full, and yet a balloon can be filled still more. You know, If I blew into a balloon, it would grow just as we are to be filled and to grow in maturity. A balloon's full of air, but it can be filled with more air. And that's the key. When we are filled, we are not filled with something different. No, we are filled with more of what we already have. You see, we continue in Christ and we are filled with more of Christ. Christ in us, the Holy Spirit. In Christ, we are filled We don't need to to look anywhere else to be filled than Jesus. Jesus is the one who fills us to maturity as he works in us through the Holy Spirit. And that filling, it is not a one-off thing. As Paul famously writes to the Ephesians, he says, go on being filled with the Spirit. But how does that filling happen? How has that filling happened, so that you and I, so that we are maturing in our faith, not stuck in a rut as a Christian? Well, will have a look at chapter two, verse seven again. Chapter two, verse seven. He says, "Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught." You see, maturity in Christ comes through teaching about Jesus. Or another verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 28. Paul says, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. It's again, maturity in Christ comes through teaching about Jesus. But it's not just teaching. Just look at the bit about filling in chapter 1, verse 9 again. Chapter 1, verse 9, he says this. He says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. See, those verses, they're a prayer. They're a prayer for the Spirit to work in you and I so that we might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, so that we might be mature in our faith. You see, the more charismatic Christian will tend to tie the filling of the Spirit to times of prayer ministry as someone is praying for the Spirit to work in someone's life. Whereas the more conservative Christian will tend to tie the filling of the Spirit so exactly to the Word of God and when the Bible is open and a sermon is impacting our lives. And what we're seeing here in Colossians is that both are possible, that both are intertwined and that both are necessary. It is receiving teaching about God the Son and asking God the Spirit resident in us to fill us with all wisdom and understanding as we hear that teaching. And it is that together that stops us from suffering from stuck in a rut syndrome. And that is one of the key benefits of a week like this. In Christ, we are filled. We are filled to maturity. At the Saints and Sinners dinner that I went to, on entering the dining room, there was a, um, there was a guy standing there at a the door as you went in, and he stood there with a tray of, um, of roses, a tray of red roses and white roses. And as you went into this dinner, he said to each person as they were going in, he said, Saint or Sinner? Saint or sinner. You had to declare yourself either a saint by picking the white rose or to declare yourself a sinner by picking the red rose. I wonder which you would pick this evening. Saint or sinner. Which is you? I wonder if here this evening that there are a good number of us who would reach straight for the red rose because we feel that we are a second-rate Christian, that we feel we're lacking the skills, that the gifts, the talents, we're lacking the godliness, the boldness in evangelism, the spiritual experiences of others around us, whatever it may be, we feel we are lacking. And so we go for the red rose. And I believe Christ would want to come alongside you as you clasp your red rose. And he'd want to give you a white rose to hold as well. And he'd want to say to you, remember, you are also a saint. In Christ, you are full. You're full, that is your status. You are full. Christ resident in you by his spirit assures you of that. You have all fullness in Christ. You are full. And I wonder if here this evening as well, there are also a good number of us who would go straight for that red rose again. And we reach straight for the red rose Because we feel that we are stuck in a rut as a Christian. We feel that we are not maturing as a Christian. We're not growing in our faith. We feel that we're not living a life worthy of the Lord. And that could be for all sorts of different reasons. So we go for the red rose. But we want to mature, we long to. But we're stuck in a rut. So we go for the red rose. And I believe again that if that's you, Jesus Christ would want to come alongside you and he'd again want to slip you a white rose to hold alongside the red. He'd say, remember, you are also a saint. He'd say, remember, in Christ we can be filled. In Christ we can be filled to maturity. In Christ, we can be filled as God's Spirit takes God's Word that you are hearing even tonight. And God's Spirit uses it to transform you more and more into the likeness of God's Son. In Christ, we are filled. Let's pray, shall we? As we sit, let's pray. Let's just be quiet for a moment, shall we, to um, each one of us just allow a moment to process what we've heard, just a moment to respond to Jesus in the silence. Now, as I said, I I wonder if there's a few here tonight. And today, Wednesday, the 9th of August, 2017, is the day that you are saying, I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive Jesus as my rescuer, my ruler, and my resident. And if that's you, just before we go any further, I'd love just to pray a prayer that you might like to echo in your heart if you're saying that that's me actually I I want to receive Jesus so just as we all have our eyes closed I'm just going to pray a prayer Lord Jesus I want to receive you today in my life I'm sorry for how I've been keeping you at arm's length until now. Jesus, thank you for being my rescuer and dying on the cross to pay the price of my sin. Jesus, would you please come into my life as my ruler and as my resident. And Jesus, thank you that as I pray this, that you come into my life by your spirit, and that you will transform me from the inside out. Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen. And let's just keep an attitude of prayer. Let's keep our eyes closed, would we? And just um, as we continue, just if if you prayed that prayer, everyone's got their eyes closed, I'd love you, if you might be, to be bold and just as a marker for yourself before God, uh, just to raise your hand where you are, just to say, yeah, that's a prayer I prayed. And I love, I'm not gonna call you out in any shape or fashion, but I just so I can pray for you if you prayed that prayer. So, if you just prayed that prayer, do raise your hand where you are. Thank you. Let me just pray for those people. Heavenly Father, thank you that your gospel has borne fruit in each of these people's lives. Thank you that they are a full-on Premier League Christian right now with your spirit living in them. And we pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just keep in an attitude of pressure. We um, just want to pray for those uh, people just feeling those two uh, different issues: the, the second-rate Christian and the stuck in a rut Christian. And there's certainly two challenges I, I, I face them both. And the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, wants to minister to us in these areas. And so again, just so everyone's got their eyes closed, if if As I've been speaking, if you feel that God has been speaking to you by His Spirit, just about that challenge for you, that actually for you, you've been feeling a second rate Christian. If you've been feeling a second rate Christian, and God has been speaking to you, saying, actually, what encouragement, in Christ you are full. You can be totally assured, you don't need to feel a second rate Christian any longer. Just while everyone has their eyes closed, if you'd like to raise your hand and acknowledge again, I'm not going to get you to do anything. I'd just love to pray for you. So just if that's you, just raise your hands where you are. lots of people raising them. Thank you. Thank you. Let me just pray for those people. Lord Jesus, thank you for each of these men and women. Thank you that in you they are full And Lord Jesus, would you work in them by your spirit? Would you assure them that they have everything in you? Lord, would they rejoice in a liberation of not having to compare themselves less favorably to others? Jesus, would you bless them? Would you use them? Would you give them the joy of recognizing how you have used them, how you are using them, and how you will use them. Lord Jesus, may they know in the very depths of their being that they have all fullness in you. Amen. And again, let's just do the second one. Let's keep in an attitude of prayer, if that's all right. Um, And um, again, just the second one that's stuck in a rut. Christian, if that is you, if you're honest, as you look back maybe at the last year, last few months, And you have been very much feeling you are stuck in a rut as a Christian. You're longing to grow, to mature, but you feel you've been stuck in a rut. Just again, as people have their eyes closed, if you'd like to raise your hand. And I'd love to pray for you. Again, thank you for the hands going up around the room. Let me pray for you guys. Thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you that these men and women, that they have a desire and a hunger to grow in maturity as disciples of yours. Lord Jesus, thank you that they long to lead lives that are increasingly bringing you more and more pleasure. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you we can be filled. And Lord God, we pray that each one of those who just raised their hands now, that you would fill them with all that they need, Lord Jesus, would you be working in them, even this very night, by the power of your Spirit? Would you be filling them and would you be growing them as your word works in them? Lord Jesus, may this coming year not be like the last one. May this coming year be a year when they're not stuck in a rut, but they are growing in greater and greater maturity in their faith in you.